Good morning, church. Um, you know, I, worshiping the Lord and hearing that <clears throat> that song, "Amazing Grace," singing that, I was reminded of how you know we understand what we're what we're saved from, right? Amen. We're saved from God's wrath. He's a righteous God. He's a just God, and because of that, He can't have any part with sin or unholiness and that different different side of the same coin he also loves us so much that your position in Christ is as the the bridegroom <laughs> like the the whole picture of marriage of a man and a woman right um, a man and a woman leaving their parents and coming together to form a union with one another that will live on forever and ever, right? That's the whole point of marriage. And But when you look at your relationship with the Lord, He loves you that much that you're His bride. That is amazing. That is amazing that He, he loves us that deeply. That should give uh, assurance and encouragement that wherever you're at this morning, never forget the Lord's love for you. Amen. And let his love permeate your being so that that same holy, godly love can be transmitted to the people around you. That's the whole point. That's the tag you're it. <laughs> you're, you're, you're touched with the holiness of Jesus Christ and Lord willing, those that you, you affect in your sphere of influence will receive him and that their lives will be changed as well. Amen. Um, we are uh, in James chapter 1. This morning we'll be wrapping up uh, a message that I've entitled Doers Not Hearers Only, uh, part 2. And uh, this is, this is going to be a great message. It's going uh, to be encouraging. It's going to be convicting. But uh, nonetheless, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's, a good, it's, it's good for us to hear and even better for us to apply. I was... Uh, I was encouraged and reminded this morning, you, you, you know, the, the parable of uh, the Good Samaritan and the fact that the priest and the Levite, the, 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 the people that were supposed, the people that were supposed to <laughs> reach out <laughs> to people in need, they, they just turned a blind eye. And, and I think that parable speaks to the ineffectiveness of, of those who are saved and aren't doing the Lord's will. <laughs> he calls us to do His will. And it took someone who was a Samaritan. And we know the history of the Samaritan people. They were half Jew, half Gentile. They were not accepted in either, either culture. <laughs> they were ostracized by the Gentiles because they had Jewish blood. And the Jewish people wouldn't even look upon them as anything uh, other than a dog because they had mixed with Gentiles. It's very interesting when you look at that picture in, in a similar situation, you look at Jesus. He was 100 percent God and 100 percent man. He didn't fit either. <laughs> people didn't. Many people didn't receive him. Well, his own people didn't receive him and he was ostracized as well. And when you look at that, that that parable and that picture of the Good Samaritan, that Good Samaritan is a picture of Christ. It's a picture of Christ and what Christ does serves goes beyond his own measure because if you do you think about it the, the samaritan was on that road and as he was on that road he wasn't just 
humdrumming. He wasn't twiddling his thumbs. He had business to attend to. He was on his way. But he chose to engage in the needs of others. And that's what we're called to as well. We're called to engage in the lives of other people around us. Amen. So with that, if you would stand for the reading of God's word, we're in James chapter one. We'll be in verses 22 down through 27. And it reads, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's go ahead and pray. Abba God, we thank you for this truth. Your word says that the wise person loves instruction but a foolish person hates correction lord may we take heed to these instructions you you give us the blueprint of how to live father we already have the power of the holy spirit living within us may we not quench the holy spirit but may through your power may we live out this calling upon our lives lord you've set us apart to do exactly this to be doers of your word not merely hearers So, Father, please, may your anointing fall upon us and may we supernaturally be changed this morning. If we're already on the mountaintop, would you continue to just engage with us and and continue us to draw closer to you? And if we're in a valley right now and things seem bleak and we're down and out, Lord, may we be encouraged that you you come for the those that are downtrodden and, and, and those that are spiritually sick that need a healer or you can do these things but you didn't come just to merely heal us you came to heal us and to set us on our way so that we could proclaim the good news of jesus christ to a dying world around us may we take these principles to heart and may it not merely be words that roll off our backs like water off a duck's back father we thank you and we praise you we pray this all in your son jesus christ's name amen All right. Last week, we were reminded of how we are to live a controlled life as a believer in Christ, like meaning we we have a focused goal, a focused aim. Um, We just shouldn't be all over the place as followers of Christ. There should be a certain structure to our lives that we are to display meekness humility through the power of the holy spirit this is how we are to live what this practically looks like we learned last week is to be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to get angry (laughs) again um you know i 
I, I understand that sanctification is a process, but many times we, we hear those principles and we just say, well, I'm not perfect. And we, it's a cop out, though. Well, I'm not like Jesus. Jesus was perfect. It, it's not it's not about that. Of course, Jesus was perfect. But aren't you encouraged to look at his disciples and how that ragtag group of people <laughs> that he that he compiled, you know, he's telling them that that he's going to suffer at the hands of the Romans and he's going to die upon a cross and then resurrect on the third day. And they're like, what Messiah dies? Deliver us from the Romans. And what were they talking about? They were jockeying for position. <laughs> they cared about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And what did Jesus say? Unless you were like these little children and receive these little insignificant ones, you will not be great in my kingdom. He turned the whole conversation on its head. We can be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. It's possible. You have, I have the power of God residing within us. The Holy Spirit that has defeated sin, death, Satan, and the grave resides in you. So don't ever tell yourself that you can't do these things. In Christ, you can do all things. They're all possible. Anything that's going to glorify God can be done through His power in your life. Amen? You see, when we learn to listen to God's still voice in the midst of everyday life, we will become far better at listening to others. <laughs> Even when the others annoy you. <laughs> right? Let's just keep it real. Because not every conversation we have is a conversation where we're fully engaged and we're all about what the other person's saying. Sometimes it's like wah, 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 wah. Right? But when we get in tune with the Holy Spirit, when we get in tune with the voice of Almighty God, we start giving that consideration to other people. And even when we don't agree with them, I'm not talking about this whole tolerance thing where we're bending our integrity. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying compromise the integrity of the word of God. What I'm saying is in love, engaging with people, engaging with them will be far better to do this because we've developed this skill of learning to hear from the Lord himself. You see, being quick to listen and slow to speak are essential for becoming slow to anger. <laughs> if we're not quick to listen and slow to speak, we're going to fly off the handle in a heartbeat and we're going to go into rage. We're going to be enraged. We're going to be upset. And the reality is violent actions are brought about by violent words. When words are said with such hate, I was looking at these commandments this morning and, you know, had some downtime. My, my wife and my kids went to the loop and, you know, I'm just, the Lord's ministering to me and I'm like, man, that sucks. I've broken every single commandment, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I was talking to Daniel about it. It's like, man, I haven't physically killed anybody, but, but I've said things before in a malicious way or I've thought things about people that were not right, that were perverted, that were crooked, that were contrary to what God would say we should do. And then the Lord was like, but that's your past. <laughs> You're a new creation in Christ. So I, was, I was quickly reminded to don't dwell on that. But, but, it, but it, it's important, again, that we understand that the level of our, our, our listening skills 
will either pay dividends to uh, reaping a good harvest of spiritual fruit or the lack thereof. And the lack thereof, again, is violent actions are brought about by violent words. And violent words are brought about by a lack of listening skills. When people aren't heard, we fly into rage. People fly into a fit. I mean, there's many times even within my own home where someone's not heard and that's it. With the children, someone's not heard. With Kalos and Tears, man, they go off on each other. Somebody's not listening to the other person and ah, and it's just full on rage. You know, you, y'all with young ones, whether your parents or grandparents, you know what it is for a three-year-old to go into a fit of rage. That fit of rage has the... The, uh, the, the, the rage enough to kill if they're capable. They're so upset. But again, it's because not being heard by the other party. We were also warned last week that the wrath of men and women never produces the righteousness of God. Rather, we are to continue with humility and receive the word of God that has the power to save our souls. That is what we are called to do. You see, when we apply these principles to our daily living, we can be assured that we'll be doing everything in our God-given power to live peaceably with all men and women. We'll be living in accordance to how the Lord wants us to walk amongst other people in this world. But we must remember to never forget. We can never forget. And this is what leads us into our text this morning. This is just a continuation of what we talked about last week. And the first main point for the message this morning is this. If we hear the word of God, but we fail to apply it to our daily lives, we only deceive ourselves. You know, many times we we put so much on Satan. We give him too much airtime. We give him too much credit. This principle says that if we hear God's word, Hearing the word of God, having ears to hear, but we fail to live out the principles of this word. We, not Satan, we deceive ourselves. You see, we understand that hearing the word of God is extremely important. It is. It is actually the most important thing you could hear. The most important thing you could listen to is the word of God. There are so many things vying for your attention and my attention in the day and age we live. Everybody's got a YouTube channel. Everybody's got something. Everybody's got a website. Everybody's a new artist coming up. I'm coming up. Man, bro, you old, you about as old as me. You 47 years old. You still trying to come up in the rap game. I'm coming up. Everybody's some new artist. Everybody's trying to do something new. I got a new clothing line. Doing this, doing that. Everybody's trying to break through. But hearing the word of God is the most important thing. The most valued thing that you could allow to seep into your hearing to saturate into your mind and your heart, to digest it. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But you see, church, the Christian life does not end with merely hearing the word of God. This is but a starting point, a reference point, if you will, for all believers. Some of you are familiar with this. I was, uh, you know, taught this years ago. I was taught about the Romans Road. <laughs> Romans Road. Book of Romans. Such an important book. So, so much doctrinal information in there. 
right? It tells us why we need to be saved. If someone doesn't know why they need to be saved, what, why, why would they even want to be saved? They need to know why. What's the reason? Don't just tell me, get saved. For what? Do you see my life? I'm fine. I have no ailments. I have no sicknesses. I have money in the bank. I have prestige. I'm fine. That's how many people think. But when you read through the book of Romans, it shows you, man, I'm depraved. <laughs> my, my state is sinful at best. I'm a carnal human being apart from God. I need salvation. And then I was taught to read through the book of John because then I would learn about who the Savior was who offers salvation. I use this analogy or this example because the book of Romans is a reference point for all who were lost. But it's just the beginning. You can't end with that. You see, equally as important as hearing the word of God is to actually apply it to one's life it must be applied think about it if 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 my son he fell down earlier he didn't cut himself but he's his pants are dirty but say for example he fell and cut himself and he had a bad bruise or a bad cut okay we have a, a medical kit in this building but what good is the medical stuff for if i don't apply it to his body and help him so he can be healed. The same thing is spiritually. If we know we're spiritually sick and we have this word and, you know, okay, we hear it, we read it. But if we don't apply this word to our lives, what good is it really doing? You see, you have ears to hear. You, 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 you people are spiritually sound. You understand. We must apply. I must apply. That's why it says it in the text. If we don't apply the word, we deceive ourselves. We must live this out daily in all of our interactions, first with the Lord and then with others we come into contact with. Because faith and obedience go hand in hand. You cannot separate the two. People say they have faith and they live apart from God. They just talk. <laughs> you can't be like that. You can't say you have real genuine faith and you are living a life of complete disobedience to Jesus Christ. True obedience, true faith will develop within us a hunger and a desire to thirst after righteousness. We will forsake all the things that are ungodly in our lives. We will. We won't have a palate for it anymore. We won't want to indulge in those conversations that are not right. We will not want to engage in activities that are not edifying and glorifying to God. It will hurt and grieve us when we hear others around us talking in ways and acting in ways that are not right with the Lord. It really will. I don't know how many times during the week it grieves my heart when I hear things and I'm like, ah, it just pierces me. And I think I'm nobody. <laughs> what does God feel if I'm sensing this? As the little old person that I am, then how does God feel about it? He's not happy. It breaks his heart to see his creation. He's given everything he could possibly give for human beings to be redeemed and brought right before him. And yet many choose to not even care and choose to continue to walk in disobedience. You see, our faith 
will be evident in how we live. That's it. Our faith will be evident in how we live. The actions that we live out will really be the telltale sign of if, if our faith is genuine or not. That's the first main point. The second main point is this. The one who perseveres and is a doer will be blessed in all his or her doing. Isn't that such encouragement? Because the first principle is super profound. And I mean, if you stop there, you're just done. You're like, ah, I haven't been a doer. I'm done. And, you know, we have this pity party and then we feel bad. And then Satan jumps on top of that. And then we're beat to a, pu- to a pulp and then we just don't get back up. <laughs> but there's more to it than that, church. It says right here that if you persevere, if you hold on, if you cling to Christ, I was watching uh, the newest episode of The Chosen last night. And, you know, it's the point where Peter starts walking on the water. And, you know, uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, there's never, no one's ever going to depict, you know, what's in the Bible, you know, the way it's supposed to be to the T. But you get the picture when you're seeing it. And then, you know, obviously, you know, Peter starts taking his eyes off of Christ and he starts sinking. And then, you know, he's super emotional and he's holding on to Christ as he holds him up. And he's just like, don't let go of me. Grown man, you know, big old muscles, big Peter, strong man, right? Strong physique. And he's just crying like a baby. Don't let me go. Don't let me go. Hold on to me. That's that's part of persevering. <laughs> that's persevering. Is you holding on to Christ when you don't got nothing else to hold on to. When you're really being raw with him and you're like, I don't have the wisdom, the intellect, the talent. I can't do this, Lord. If you don't move, I can't do this. Persevere. The word of God says you'll be blessed in all you're doing. Blessed, not cursed. You'll be blessed in everything you put your hands to because you're persevering through him in him. Notice that verse 25 tells us that the followers of Jesus Christ must persevere. You see, it is not natural for us to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. It takes a supernatural act of the Holy Spirit along with our willingness to obey to not give up. You see, that's that relationship. It's God that does the work, but we have to be willing. If we're unwilling, the Bible says, why? How long are you going to kick against the goads? How long are you going to bloody up the back of your calves because you're kicking against some metal utensil and you're just messing yourself up? If you know what a goad is, you understand what I'm talking about. I don't got time to get into you know, what it actually is, but how long will we do that? We have to be willing to submit. Submission, meekness, obedience, this all plays into being blessed. And I'm not talking about material stuff. I'm talking, see, again, we have to, a lot of times, church, we have the wrong frame of reference. I I can't, I, I I don't, I have a righteous indignation for people that teach that you come to Jesus Christ and all your problems go away and you're just going to get all the things you want and all these material things. Material things aren't bad, but we have to understand we are saved from the wrath of God. We are saved from his wrath. So the most important thing you and I could ever receive from God is peace, to have peace with him. There's no more enmity. You're not an enemy of God anymore. You are grafted in as a son and daughter of the Most High. We are now part of uh, national Israel, if you will. It is that real. We are spiritual Israel. We are all brought in. The Bible talks about the true people who are, who are, are, are Israelites are those that obey. 
You can have the blood and it doesn't matter. <laughs> you need to obey. I need to obey. But it's this willingness to obey that opens up the door to his peace. And when you have his peace, when you have his joy, <laughs> you got everything you're going to need. And all the other things will be added on. Look at Solomon. He wanted wisdom genuinely. And what did God give him? Not only to be the wisest man that ever lived, but also all these other material things to go along with it. But see, our priorities have to be right. And then the God, the God of, of, of all creation will open up the floodgates and you'll receive. Do you ever wonder why not everyone who starts out following after the Lord, professing him, stays the course? Do you ever wonder why some people seem to fall off? You're like, what happened to them? Why, why are they not walking hard after the Lord? I can't speak into their life, and I don't know the heart of, of men and women, but I know what the Bible says. And I know that the Word of God says that simply some of us, we just don't count the cost. We don't count the cost. We think that this Christianity is just some kind of fluffy thing that we do, and we just come here on a Sunday and hang out and we have cookouts. You know, that's not what it's about, man. That's such a small portion of what it is. Luke chapter 14, verse 28 tells us, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? You see, many times we are all gung-ho for Christ. You know, we get saved. We have this conversion. But see, many times it's an emotional thing. And, and, and to serve God... You and I must serve out of obedience, not out of emotion. When you love your spouse, everyone who's married in here, you know, not every day you feel like loving your spouse. You don't. Just be honest. But it is a long-suffering love. It is a supernatural love through God to you that gives you the ability to love your spouse. In the moments and the times when you don't feel like it. If you only went off of emotion, your marriages would have crumbled years ago. Because emotions wear thin. Emotions are fickle. Emotions vacillate like this. <laughs> it should not be so of those who follow after Christ that we start off strong and eventually fizzle out. We have to tap into... The God-given ability to endure and persevere. You see, as human beings that the Lord God has created, we all have this within us. We do. We all have the innate ability to persevere and endure. I can tell you there's evidence of this. Because in everything we do, in everything we want, we persevere and we endure. Think about it. Careers. How many people stay in careers that are horrible, but they endure for the money? <laughs> They're like, I'm not giving up that six figure salary, even though my boss is a snake, my coworkers are scum. <laughs> I'm just keeping it honest, 100% real. But people stay in those careers. People stay in unhealthy relationships because there's something that they want out of it. 
They're, they want the prestige or they want the satisfaction of, of, of walking around with this person that looks a certain way or has their own status or business dealings that are not honest and righteous and right and true and just, but people persevere for the sake of, well, I'm just doing business. They can't stand apart with their business dealings. Or some are aspirations and dreams. We fight so hard for what we want. We won't give up. We persevere. We fight tooth and nail to the end. Basically, whatever it is that we want the most, we will persevere to accomplish the goal. The Word of God tells us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that? If you don't grow weary in doing good, in due season you will reap a spiritual harvest of good if you don't give up. The thing is, many people only want the things of this world. Unfortunately, many Christians, they only want the things of this world. They don't want the spiritual things. They don't want the spiritual truths that Jesus provides. They want, the, they want the worldly things of this world. And so they walk away for Jesus. Or they walk away for a more contemporary Christian message that's more palatable for their stomachs and their mouths. Again, the Bible talks about in the, in the last days, many won't endure sound doctrine because they want, they want to be told the things they want to hear, not the things they need to hear. And the third main point is this. Pure religion is serving the less fortunate and keeping yourself and myself from being stained by the world's culture, which is anti-Christian, anti-Christ. We are told in verse 27 that pure religion is this, that we live to serve those around us, orphans and widows, and we don't allow the culture to defile us. If we do, then our claim of following Christ is worthless. You see, many go to church buildings every Sunday professing Christ, but have no genuine relationship with the Messiah. Coming to a church building doesn't save you. It's your profession of Christ, and it's your following after Him that will save you. You see, I truly believe that the pandemic has hurt many a church in, in this kind of way. You see, in the pandemic, everything closed for a portion of time, and many people got complacent. And, oh, you know, I can just worship God at home. I can just be on Zoom, and I don't need to fellowship with the saints. I can be at home. God's omnipresent. <laughs> you know, I've heard it all. That's true to an extent. But the Bible is clear that the church, that the saints, should never forsake the meeting of one another. There is something so important of coming together with the body of Christ on a regular basis. We are unified together as the church, not isolated. Isolation will kill you. It will kill me. Because that's what Satan wants. He wants to get you off in a corner, and then he'll get all kind of thoughts in your head. He'll play on your emotions, and the next thing you know, you're, you're, you're off somewhere. I don't know if you guys saw the, the headline, but there's a satanic temple in New Mexico, and they're opening up a, a, a free clinic to abort babies. 
And, uh, you know, if you know anything about Satanism, they kill babies for their satanic rituals. They're going to mail the drugs to these, uh, you know, young, older women and, and, you know, let them do what they do. But I was also in the, in, in the news uh, this week that a, a young lady um, took those pills, right, to kill her baby. And the, it killed the baby and it killed her. It's a sad, sad story. I share that because, but that's what Satan does. He gets someone isolated and without sound doctrine, without other people, pillars of the church, people where iron sharpens iron, where they could speak life into this young person's life. She got alone by herself and the people that were around her were not leading her in the right direction, blind leading the blind. And look at what happens. The satanic spirit does what? It comes to seek, kill and destroy. We must be on guard, we must be aware. And this is, again, the reason why we must be doers of the word, not merely hearers, deceiving ourselves. The church cannot lose its savor. We need to be the salt of the earth. We need to, we're the only ones with the message of the truth. And if we've gone dim, what does that say about the likelihood of other people around us in our sphere of influence? How are they going to hear the message of Jesus? How are they going to get encouraged? How are they going to be challenged to seek Him if we have gone dim? You see, we can think that we can worship, serve, and honor the Lord exclusively alone, but that is completely backwards. That's what serving ministries are all about, serving the communities we live in, being a blessing to others in the name of Jesus Christ. This is our pure and true religion. When we fail to do this, our claim of faith in Christ is worthless. All right, let's go ahead and look at these verses a little closer. So 22 to 25, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Again, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Again, I can't stress this enough. We must receive God's word as doers and not merely hearers. To take comfort in the fact that we've heard God's word when we haven't done anything is to deceive ourselves. Many times we we hear a message and we feel good. (laughs) And we're like, okay, I'm encouraged. (laughs) And, And it stops there. It doesn't, it doesn't, It doesn't get out the door. It's already done once we drive on 680, wherever we're going. We've already forgotten what we were taught. You know, Jesus told this to his disciples many times. You guys forget so quick. (laughs) I'm teaching you. I'm showing you that this is the way to go. And it's not knocking them. Again, it's encouraging because Jesus uses imperfect people. But at some point... We got to grow, church. We got to get from the milk to the meat. We can't just be still stuck on, you know, we're, we're, we're still stuck. 
doing the same old thing, struggling with the same old thing. There's got to be spiritual growth. You see, in the ancient world, it was common for people to hear a teacher. And if you followed that teacher and tried to live by that teacher's teachings, you were considered, considered excuse me, a disciple of that teacher. That's what Jesus is looking for. <laughs> He's looking for disciples. He's looking for men and women and children that are willing to be doers and not merely hearers of his word. He wants to see people who are going to take action and live out these principles. Jesus used this same point to conclude the Sermon on the Mount. He said that the one who heard the word without doing it was like a man who built his house on the sand. But the one who hears God's word and does what he's supposed to do is a man who is like one who builds his house upon the rock, the rock of Jesus Christ. I hear this song every day at my house, the Cubkins. <laughs> my daughter's always singing uh, this song, all the little songs, peace like a river and all this. I hear it every day. I hear my little daughter singing it every day. The one who both hears and lives out God's word will withstand the inevitable storms of life and the judgment of eternity. The one who builds his house upon the rock. The one who builds his house upon the rock. Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27, it tells us explicitly this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it you see the rain falls on the just and the unjust Calamity strikes those who are saved and those who are unsaved. Those who follow after Christ and those who do not. Those who claim they follow after Christ but merely only do it with words. And those who actually live it out day by day. Calamity falls on all of us, church. But the one who will prevail is the one who is a doer of the word. You will not fall victim to the calamities of life. You won't crumble under the pressure of life when it hits you because you've built your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. The application is this. Everyone from the pastor to a brand new baby in Jesus Christ must live out his or her faith in Christ. It's not just enough to claim allegiance to Jesus it's not enough to come to service and hear a sermon. It's not enough to preach a sermon. All who claim to be Christians must live out their faith or else they have deceived themselves into believing that they have built their lives upon Jesus Christ. An example. There's an old saying. And one individual came out of the church house while another asked, Is the sermon done? Then the one who came out said, it has been said, but yet to be done. You see, this is just the first part. You come, you hear a word. 
And Lord willing, it's a word from the Lord, <laughs> right? But that's just the first part. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to take these principles and apply them to our lives outside of this building every single day. That is building your life upon the rock of Christ. If not, we deceive ourselves. Don't deceive yourself, church. Again, you have the power of God living within you. You have all authority to live limitless, to be invincible in Christ. Meaning, no evil can befall you and prevail. The only evil that can befall you and prevail is the evil that you and I come into agreement with. You come into agreement with that nonsense, then you will be discouraged. You will be broke down and beaten. But you can live and walk from glory to glory, from faith to faith. It's evident. There's men and women that have lived before us that have done it. We can too. Don't let the enemy deceive you. Don't let your heart and your mind deceive you into believing that you cannot. Because you can. Why did Jesus say you are more than a conqueror? (laughs) In Christ who strengthens you. He's your strength. So it's possible. It is so possible. That's why I'm so fired up because these words are real to me. This is not a game. This is not a joke. This can be victory for you every day of your life. I love how, who said it? You said, what did you say? Michelle came in and what did you ask? You said, how are you doing? What did you say? You're wonderful. How are you wonderful? She's wonderful because Christ, because Jesus is doing a mighty work in her life, in her family, and she's living it out. Her situation's obviously not perfect, but she's wonderful. How can that be? It's because you have the power of Jesus surging through your life and it permeates every part of your being. And it's not about your circumstances. Yes, we all want our circumstances to be ideal. It sucks, but it's not going to happen this side of heaven. We're all going to have problems. We're all going to walk through difficulties, but you can still be victorious in him. Amen? Goes on to say, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man that he is. Or he forgets what he looks like. The person who only hears God's word without doing it has the same sense and stability as a person who looks into a mirror but immediately forgets what they look like. That's insanity we all got up this morning right many of us we did whatever we did in the bathroom and we prepared ourselves we looked into the mirror and if you had a zit on the top of your right side of your head you know you still got a zit there because you're not going to forget what you look like if you got ear piercings if you got a beard if you got a bald head and receding hairline like lebron james you know that that bald head, that receding hairline is there because you're not going to forget what you look like. It would be insane for you to think you look like somebody else when you went from your house to here, right? So in the same way spiritually, that's what the word is saying. The man or woman that looks into the word of God, hears the word of God, then walks away and doesn't apply it to their lives is an insane person. (laughs) Have the words of life right here, but failing to apply them is insanity. 
Because what is the other option? To be lulled away by Satan. To be deceived by your own flesh or to be deceived by Satan. The information he received did not do any good in his life if you walk away and forget. It truly breaks my heart when I, when I see people who hear the message of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ, the Jewish king who came to give his life for the ransom of many. But yet this message seems to go in one ear and out the other. It breaks my heart. And, and I don't know if I'm being too critical but when I look at the things that I've gone through and I see where the Lord has placed me and how he has brought me out of a complete utter darkness. And now I experience victory over and over again in my life. It pains me because it's possible for anybody. But you have to do your part. You have to engage. It takes effort. It takes strength. It takes you loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's not just this, 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 this laid-back Christianity that we've grown accustomed to in this Western culture where it's all for show. And it's not about what's really, really going on. And it's not about really, really digging in to the people and, 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 and pleading with the Lord for the people. The ancient Greek word translated observing has the idea of a careful scrutiny, right? I picture a detective with a magnifying glass, like really getting down there, trying to look at all the fine details. James had in mind people who give a careful scrutiny of God's word. They may be regarded as Bible experts, but it still doesn't result in doing <laughs> And this is, we need to understand this. I need to understand this because it's so relevant to our time and day. The application is this. You can read and study the word of God till you're blue in the face. I've known people who say, well, I read three chapters a day and I spend two hours in prayer every day. Not knocking it. If that's where the Lord has you, amen, praise God, glory to him. But now you do all that. <laughs> But if you still fail to apply the principles of the Bible, you've missed the point. <laughs> you've missed the point. You've become a legalistic Christian. <laughs> because it's not about how much time and this and that. It's about what are you doing with what he has revealed to you in Scripture. Are you applying these things? Are you, am I living it out? You see, the main reason why people fail to apply God's word to their lives is because, again, like I just said, it takes effort <laughs> It takes effort to apply God's word to your life and live it out. It's not just going to happen. It's not. There is a part we have to play. The reality is some people are straight up lazy. But like I said earlier, we're not lazy for the things we really want. People want to go to the Super Bowl. They figure out a way to get there. Taking out a second loan on their home so they can go to the stinking Super Bowl. Man, you better, you better be up in this church. I better be up in the word that hard. God bless you. You see, many, many have this false doctrinal belief that when they get saved, all of a sudden, all their problems just go away. <laughs> just go away. All the problems go away. The only problem that goes away when you get saved is you know that you're not going to be in 
fire and brimstone, <laughs> you're saved from the wrath of God. That's the, and that's the main problem that goes away. But all the other stuff, I mean, you know, you're still going to have to go through it. I'm still going to have to go through it because we live in a fallen world. You see, some people believe that the Lord will do everything for them. And they have absolutely no responsibility for their will to be submissive and obedient to him. Just like, oh, God will do it. God will take care of it. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, you know how we, we use those Christianese sayings. The reality is, yes, the Lord does all the saving. And yes, the Lord does all the sanctifying in our lives. But we still have the responsibility of humbly obeying. There's clear instruction in the word of God. And, 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 and he makes it so simple that a child can understand it. Right. And we have people with all these degrees and, you know, whatever, SS, whatever, after their names, and they still don't understand it. A simple example is this. Think about it like this. OK, so say you're born again. Right. You've given your life to the Lord. Conversion's real. Your prior life, you were straight up alcoholic, straight, you know, man, gin and tonic every other night. Long Island iced teas whenever you went out to drink. Jack Daniels. I mean, you got a cabinet full of liquor in your house. You got a liquor cabinet, right? Okay, you're saved. You know that's your vice. You know that that's what had you in bondage. Yet you do nothing to get rid of all of those liquor bottles in your house. What do you think God is going to just supernaturally come down from heaven and go into your liquor cabinet and take all the liquor out of your house and throw it away for you? You see, that's the insanity that we're dealing with, church. People are claiming they know Christ, but yet they still allow the things of the world to permeate their living and they wonder why they struggle. It's going to cost you something to follow Christ. You have to give up your whole life. <laughs> you have to. You can't. I, you hold back anything and that's going to be a foothold for Satan. Trust me, I've been there. I know. I lost everything. I lost everything that I built myself up to be and it's all gone. I hang out with no one from my past. I don't have a bad rapport with any of those people. I can be in the streets and if I come across someone, it's all good. But I left everybody. I left everything. The whole identity I had before. You look at Paul. He lost everything. He left everything. All the people in scripture, they lost everything. They gave it all up. You look at the rich young ruler. Why did he walk away bitter, weeping? Because he could not part with these material things. God, Jesus didn't even say he did not keep the commandments. He didn't say that. He might have kept every commandment. <laughs> But when Jesus said, do this, take all that you own, go give it away to the poor and come follow me. He couldn't do it. Why? Because he, 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 he just held on. It's the same thing as that born again believer that's an alcoholic holding on to all that alcohol in their house, thinking that they're going to get thinking that things are going to change. You have to. I have to give it up. I know it's harsh. I know it's hard. But this is the re I cannot tell you to you any easier because. That's not that's not how it's been revealed to me. I'm trying to be sensitive. I truly am. I'm not in no way trying to yell <laughs> or come down on you. I don't lord this over you. I take no pleasure in, in, in sharing this, but I share it in all honest sincerity. 
You see, the word of God not only reveals our external features, but it also reveals our motives, our desires, and our inward condition. This is why it's so important for pastors to simply just teach the word. Don't add anything to it. Don't try to get cute with painting pretty illustrations and pictures. Just simply share the word. Reflect the word of truth as it is revealed to you in the scriptures. Then when we hold up the mirror of this word to the congregants or to the believers, people are able to examine themselves. Again, an example is a healthy person that looks in the mirror to do something, right? They want to make sure they look a certain way. They go to the bathroom, they shave, whatever they do, they put their hair in locks, and then they're not in there staring at themselves for a half an hour doing nothing. They're doing something. So as a healthy Christian looks into God's word, we are to do something about it, not just store up facts that we aren't putting to use. We need to be doers of the word. And then we see that it says, but he who, this is where, this is where the promise comes in. I know, I know, I know the first part's harsh. <laughs> but, but this is where the promise comes in. But anyone who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, this person will be blessed in everything that they do. Wow, that's great. The application is simply this. If we study the word of God intently and do it, continue in it, we will be blessed. You will be blessed. You're you're, going to have every blessing that you need in your life. You're going to have so much peace and joy that you're going to be able to say it's wonderful. When maybe it's not wonderful, but your attitude is it's wonderful because your God is good. You don't forget the promises he's he's given to you. You don't forget all the good he's already done in your life. You don't forget him going to the cross and laying down his life and resurrecting. And the fact that that's your eternal hope. When all you see around you is just all of this misinformation and bogus knowledge that's going on all around us. And people are being deceived left and right. But just like Michelle said, you can still have peace and joy in the midst of chaos because you serve the true and living God and you give, you've given your life over to him. Mm-hmm. Blessed, blessed with peace, joy, and love. In the ancient Greek language, the word for looks into speaks of a penetrating examination. So much so that a person would bend over backwards almost to get a better look. Though James stresses doing, he also did not neglect studying God's word either. We should look into God's word. The, di- the idea is that someone who spends much time in front of the mirror makes sure they look good, right? People who spend a lot of time in the mirror, they want to make sure they look good. The same should be said about us spiritually looking into the word of God and applying it to our lives. We know that spiritually we're going to be good because obviously it's not a works thing. Obviously, we know it's God who makes us good. But when you put in the time and you apply it to your life, you can walk around with no shame, no guilt, no regret. You're not you're not cowarding. You're not hiding from people. You're not ducking people. You're like, I'm who I am. I'm where I'm at. What's up? How you doing? (laughs) Because, you know, you're when you're at peace with God, it doesn't matter what 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 you with man. What, What can mere man do to you? If you're good with the Lord, it's nothing. It's nothing. Again, this perfect law of liberty. This is a wonderful way to describe the word of God. In the New Testament, God reveals to us a law, but it is a law of liberty written 
in our transformed hearts by the Spirit of God. We are liberated from the bondages of sin. We are liberated from the bondages of ceremonial law. We are liberated from the wrath of God. (laughs) You have complete freedom in Christ. You're not bound by all these things. Romans chapter 3 verse 27 tells us, then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, by the law of faith. All right, last two verses. It says in 26, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Okay, so we see this first statement, if anyone thinks he is religious. James is explaining that real religion is not shown again by hearing the word, but by doing it. So there, there's a theme here. And it may seem monotonous, but it seems like God is trying to really get a point across. He really wants us to do. <laughs> he really wants us to live out the principles that are found in his word. And, you know, it's just that's the key. We need to live it out. One way to do God's word is to bridle the tongue, is to control our tongue, to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Again, we see the statement, thinks he is religious It's interesting because the New Testament never uses this ancient Greek word for religious in a positive way. It's always negative. (laughs) And, you know, people nowadays, I'm religious. You know, it's common for us as followers of Christ to say, you know, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. (laughs) Stop thinking all these rituals are going to make you right with God. Just have a relationship with him. Just have a relationship. What, 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 what does the word say? Come as you are. Ragtag, broken, beat up, it don't matter. Come to him as you are and he will renew you. He will restore a right spirit within you. But it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. Relationship is all about doing, right? You can't have a relationship unless two parties are actually coming together and engaging and committed to one another. So in every instance... You see action needing to be applied in every relationship and every level with God. You and I can't get away from it. It's not just God does everything and we do nothing. That's not how it works. God does his part. We respond. Us responding is doing something. So we have to be doers on every level. Colossians chapter 2 verse 23 says, These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and uh, asceticism and uh, uh, servity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You see, James used it here of someone who is religious, but is not really right with God. And this is evident because he does not bridle his tongue. Um, again, you think of, uh, and it's not to smash on him because it is what it is. You know, who am I to say, Um, I would have been any different back then. But you look at the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were so quick to speak out against Jesus. But yet, all of the things that they were asking for were right in front of their face, but they just didn't see it. And so again, just because we say things 
does not necessarily mean we are right with God. Being right with God will be evident in our actions and how we live out. Again, it says this one's religion is useless. The application is this. Your walk with God is useless if it does not translate into the way you live and the way that you treat other people. Again, we can't say we love God, but we hate people. I love God, but I don't want to be around nobody. I just want to be a hermit. I don't want to have no interaction with no... Leave me alone. Let me, let me be in my little virtual reality video game and not have no interaction with no people. That's not, that's not loving God. We need to be around people. We need to welcome people into our lives. Many times we don't welcome people into our lives because we're ashamed and we got stuff to hide. And we feel like they're going to judge us and they're going to smash on us and they're going to make us feel bad. But the reality is when we, when we gauge ourselves based on other people, we're always going to feel bad. <laughs> or we're going to feel better because we're not basing it off of God. We need to base it off of the Lord and know that, man, the Lord is going to bring the right people in your sphere of influence if you're really seeking Him. He's going to bring people that are encourage you. They're going to comfort you. They're going to challenge you in a loving, holy way. But they're not going to smash on you. We are supposed to be together. What good is it if the body don't got an eye and the body don't got a foot and the body don't got an armpit and the body don't got nostril hair? The body needs every part of the body. God wonderfully created the body. Everything in the body has a function. And we go in unison with Christ as the head. That's how we live in unity. That's how we live in peace. That's how we live strong. That's how we're, with able, we're able to withstand the schemes of the devil when the schemes come. But when we're all separated and we're like, I don't want to do, I don't want to, you know. And again, I, I get it all the time. There's many times where I'm like, I don't want to serve. But I serve out of obedience. I serve my family out of obedience. I serve other people out of obedience. And then the Lord gives me a supernatural strength and then he gives me a supernatural love. And I'm like, yeah, this is why I came. This is why I did this. Because, Lord, you're right. I was being selfish. I was being greedy. I was being a recluse. But the reality is I need to be around other people. I need to engage in other people's lives. I need them to engage in my life because it helps make you whole as a Christian. Many are deceived in their own hearts regarding the reality of their walk with God. This was to reflect upon the hypocritical Jews who kept every, every external observance but had no inward change of heart. They did all these rituals, all these things from the hand washing to everything, all this stuff, but there was no change in the heart. The most important piece, he wants us to break, have a broken stony heart change into a heart of flesh. And the same can be said of any Christian Gentile doing the same thing today. If you and I come to church service on this Sunday, but we live like hell every other day of the week, our religion is useless. You see, if you're a chameleon, your religion is useless. I want to be the type of Christian where I'm the same here in front of you, and I'm the same person at my house, and I'm the same person out on the street, and I'm the same person at work. I don't remember who the pastor was, but I heard it earlier this week, and he had like seven kids or something like that, and they're all... Um, you know, successful in the sense that they're all saved. They're all either serving in ministry or they're in business. And, and the host asked, what was like the secret sauce, if you will, that your children turned out the way they did? And the pastor said, me and my wife made it a point 
to be the same in a church service as we were at home. So in other words, there's no charade. What you got from dude was what you got from dude. He was the same when nobody was looking. They either weren't watching certain stuff at home or they were watching certain stuff and he didn't vacillate and change. Like, oh, I'm going to talk all this kind of way here in the church house. But then when I go home, I'm cracking beers. I'm watching all kind of stuff I shouldn't watch. I'm talking the way I shouldn't talk. It wasn't that way. And you see, the same is for us. That's how people end up buying in. That's how people get it that Christ is real because they see your life. They see the way you live. They see that you're genuine. And they're hurting and broken and they're like, man, they really want it too. But maybe the time, many times they can't even say it, but it's like, I want a piece of that. How, do, how can I be like that? How can, how can I have that kind of peace? And then the Lord opens up a door and you start to share. <laughs> like, come with me, brother. Come, let's have lunch. Let's get some coffee. Let me chop it up with you. And you start sharing the love of Christ and the wisdom that he imparts to you, to the other person. And that's how the chain keeps going. Amen. Amen. There is a great deal of pure and undefiled religion in the sight of man that is not pure and undefiled religion before God. Many people today simply want Jesus Christ to be their genie so that they can live their best life now. They are not taught that they need to be saved from God's wrath because they are born again, born sinners. They are not taught to fear the Lord. They are not taught that faith and obedience go hand in hand. They are not taught that any true believer in Jesus Christ will have to drink from his cup of suffering at some point in their lives. They are not taught the Christian life is, is a life of service to others, a life full of long-suffering love. But see, that's why we need to give the whole counsel of God. The man or woman who gives the whole counsel of God will be blessed. Don't leave parts out because it's going to make people feel uncomfortable. People need to feel uncomfortable. Again, if we don't really realize why we need to be saved, we're not going to get saved. God does that. God will show them. Look, man, you're broken, but I love you. I love you so much. I'm not going to leave you in the state you're in, but I'm going to make you a new creation. And then we have this last part here. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You see, a real walk with God shows itself in simple, practical ways. It doesn't have to be this big old, long, drawn out thing. It's very simple when you break it down. It helps. A true life in Christ helps the needy and keeps one's life unstained by the world's corruption. Again, meaning... You're just going to depart from certain things. You're not going to willfully engage in activity that is wrong. You're going to be like, I just, I don't have a desire for that anymore. I don't want this stuff to stain me. And I want to be a blessing to others. And you're going to go to the needs of others around you and your sphere of influence. You see, as I've been seeking the Lord for much time in regards to this church and outreach the Lord recently revealed to me, like, <clears throat> I'm not saying I've mastered this, but I truly believe that the Lord has shown me that a lot of Western Christianity has got it wrong as far as ministry <laughs> and all these things. Outreaches are great, you know, but you don't have to have a banner that says outreach ministry and we meet here every Saturday and we go do this and that. That's cool because maybe the Lord wants to use that part of the body like that. But the Lord has revealed this to me. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
And what the Lord revealed to me is this. When he was going along his way, the Lord saw people in his sphere of influence. And he saw them and he had compassion on them. So the thing is, who is in your sphere of influence? Who is in my sphere of influence? Do you have compassion on them? Or do you just walk away and it doesn't even matter to you? That's what the Lord's showing me for this church. We may not get together every weekend and we do all this outreach and this and that. But if you're reaching into the people in your sphere of influence and you're having compassion on them and you're giving them Christ, that is what it's about. And that's who you're going to be responsible for is who's in your sphere of influence. When Jesus says to you, what did you do with my son? He's going to be talking to you about everyone that you came into contact with, not going to Africa, not starting some homeless ministry that he hasn't called us to yet or this and that or the other. He's going to be asking you and me, what did you do with my son with every person that I put in front of your face? An example of this is I have a coworker named Dustin. And this week, you know, I, I, it's been on my heart to speak to this man. I've spoken to a lot of people at my work. I just, I, it bubbles up. I can't, you know, I don't care anymore. I don't have any shame. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm like Scott. I'm going to tell you about Christ if I come across you in love because that's what I'm full of. But this certain individual and I'm leaving work and it was a perfect opportunity. Just me and him. I was getting my stuff out of my little, my little closet area. And you know, the reality is, you know, I was ashamed I was ashamed. I say that because I didn't do anything. I just let him walk away. And so the Lord dealt with me about it. And the next day was Friday. And uh, I made it a point to put a flyer in my pocket. I said, Lord, just give me the, the courage to speak to this man. Give me the strength to just speak to him. And then he was bathrooming a client. And we were both in that bathroom. And I knew it was the Lord because I didn't come up with some script or anything like that. And I just reached out to him. I said, hey, brother, you've been on my heart, man. And, and, and the reality is I just want to invite you to church. I said, many people don't come to the church house because nobody invites them. I just want to invite you, man. We got a little church that I serve at out in Milpitas. Come through. He didn't come today, but it's all good. The whole point is the Lord impressed it upon my heart. And I did something finally about it after I failed the day before. And I just pray that's an encouragement to you. Wherever you're at, don't, don't, let, don't let your failures dictate what you're going to do the next day. Get up for Christ and do something in your sphere of influence because there's so many people. The man looked at me, he had glasses on like shades, but I could tell he was either bewildered or he was hurt or he was puzzled. But the fact that I invited him to church, that struck him because it was super random. He's like, what? church? <laughs> but yeah. Again, the application is this. Charity and purity are two great byproducts of Christianity. It's been said that true religion does not merely give something for the relief of the distressed, but it actually visits them and it takes them under its care. As I give this last point, Michelle and Isaiah can come up. Unspotted from the world. The idea is that a Christian does not retreat away from the world. Instead, we interact with the world. That's the whole thing of orphans and widows in trouble and others that are such in need. The Christian ideal is not retreating from the world because we are in the world, but we are not of the world. That's that N-O-T-W, right? That's old school now at this point, but not of this world. An example. Remember a lot. 
Remember Lot? He was a man who was spotted by the world. He started living towards Sodom. He disregarded the spiritual climate of the area because of the prosperity. Kind of like San Francisco and the Bay Area. There's a lot of ungodliness going on and people just disregard it because they want to come up. They want to be the next tech genius guru. Eventually he moved into this wicked city and became part of the city's leadership. Rose to prominence in an ungodly city doing ungodly things that were all around him. The end result was that Lot lost everything and was saved by the skin of his teeth. Even his wife, she got turned into a pillar of assault because she had some kind of connection there. And she looked back when the angel said, do not look back, get out. (laughs) May we be wise and learn from his example. May we be those that don't merely hear the word of God. I plead with you today, church, be those that do the word. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, that's it. Your word's gone out, Lord. May you, may you provide the increase. May you do the work in the hearts of your people. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.